What's up, family? Welcome back to the Stop Sinking Show, where we go from struggle to flow. I want to share a funny story that goes into what I want to talk about today. Yesterday was exactly a year since I hopped on a plane to come to India. And all my trips after having left this country as a kid were for vacation. No longer than three weeks. No more often than even once every five years or more. I think I only come here like three or four times since I left when I was 11. So needless to say, I haven't had much experience as an adult in this country. So much of my perception of here in India is joyous. Times with family, lots of people around or childhood or lots of noise, just fun, good food, nothing but a good time. Even when I came here in 2014, which was still kind of related to my father's health and supposed to be a stressful time. I guess I wasn't stressed out. I guess I didn't take it as seriously. And still at that time, I had one of my most positive experiences while I've ever been anywhere, which was this yoga session in the rain where just pouring summer rain and I was just out there in the marble balcony just doing yoga for two hours. It became this happy place in my mind. Anytime I think about that yoga session and the rain on the balcony, I get this cooling sensation in my chest about the peace that I felt. Again, all of this is promoted by this vacation state and a detachment from reality. And I shared all this backstory about my experience in India so far because in the first few weeks of being here, even this time, and now it's been a year, but even being here in the first few weeks of being here this time, or maybe even the first few months, I was still in this vacation state. India was still a foreign place of joy for me instead of it being laden with responsibility and dread, which I guess is the opposite of vacation. Is that what I think of the opposite of vacation? My, my reality? Responsibility and dread? That's good to realize as I'm saying this. Something to ponder on later. Point is, I still had very much the lighthearted, uh, explorative spirit while being here in the beginning. Everything was new. The sounds from the streets, the people, the chanting, the shouting, everything. And the story of the sounds is what I want to share that I found funny and will lend to the rest of the theme for this episode. In the early morning hours, around 7 or 8 a.m., there is this loud singing track that you can hear move around the streets. And because it's 7 or 8 a.m. and it's time to wake up for most people, but it's actually sleep time for me because I still live in America, EST time zone, while I'm still here in IST. So 7, 8 a.m. is actually like sleep time for me. So I'm usually in the shower getting ready for bed when this music is heard around the streets. And India being a religious country, at first I thought 
it was a religious song to start everyone's day. And I literally remember the first week hearing it in the shower. At first, I thought it was live singing. I thought it was someone with a mic on top of a truck going around singing a religious song. I was moved by it. Like in the first week, I remember almost crying in appreciation for it in the shower. I thought it was super beautiful. And I, of course, realized as time went on and as I listened closely that it was actually a track being played on repeat instead of someone singing live. So it wasn't someone live. So, okay, reality dealt the first blow to the beauty that I perceived. Then as time went on, I mean, even months, I accepted the singing. I knew it happened every morning. I never listened closely enough to pick up the words. But still, I held mild appreciation for it and for the singing truck that fell into and fit the orchestra of sounds outside my window in the morning. From fruit vendors pushing carts to vegetable carts, all chanting in their own unique way to gain attention. To coconut vendors, people looking to sell you chairs to fix your stoves. I mean, there is no shortage of hollering from outside the window of people wanting their presence to be known in your neighborhood in case you could use their help and they could make a few bucks for the day. I mean, we even ourselves get, we've gotten our keys made, gotten plastic chairs from the feather balcony, gotten plumbing unclogged, so many other things that just from local street vendors hollering in the streets that just scream in your neighborhood all day to let themselves be heard and to solicit your business. And depending on where you're from, this either sounds super fascinating to you or it's extremely ordinary. Either way, there is no shortage of noise that the early morning has and this singing fits right in. And to bring home the hilarity of the story, it wasn't until probably six to eight months in when one morning, instead of sleeping at 8 a.m., I was actually outside on the balcony at 8 a.m. and happened to see the truck that makes the sound. And even though I've been here for a while now, it's been six or eight months at the time, and I should have already known what this sound and where it was coming from every morning, I curiously asked my housekeeper what the purpose of this truck that was always singing through the streets. Why was it playing this song through the streets? The one that I thought was a religious song to wake up the neighborhood. And he proceeded to tell me that it was a garbage truck. And that they play this song to let it be known that they're in the area as they drive around. And so in case... People need a reminder to bring out garbage last minute. And then, as reality dealt another blow to the beauty that I thought was this morning ritual, this religious song going through the street, my curiosity led me to listen closer to the words of the song, which then I googled, which led me to Reddit posts about this song, which was my morning ritual, which led me to learn that this song was actually the theme song of the Waste Management Municipal. 
and that it has no religious context. And actually, the words that they were singing translates to clean India's promise. This is clean India's promise. <laughs> and with the brand name of the waste management department in the song. So essentially, they play the song in the streets to constantly advertise and let it be known that they are indeed on their job fulfilling their promise to keep India clean. And I guess that's cool. But apparently this is a practice in all of India. So there were Reddit posts of various people and foreigners and tourists who were thoroughly annoyed by this daily singing truck, which now, having understood what it is about, has thoroughly since been the source of annoyance for me. And which is what I find funny as a great example of the power of perception. What started out as utter awe that led me to tears, at first through the opaque wow and wonder of being in a new place, to something that became a mild appreciation, to what now is something that I almost detest. Sometimes I cover my ears to. Something that now having understood the context, the content, and even casting doubt on the intent of it, why they're playing the song just to brand themselves, I can't help but be extremely irritated by it. And it's something that fits perfectly and serves perfectly the now overall annoyed narrative I have about being in India this long in the first place. Because I'm looking for it. Because much of it annoys me. Much of it I feel trapped by. I just keep finding more and more things like this singing truck that at first I appreciated but now I use as supporting evidence for why I cannot stand the circumstance I found myself in and can't seem to escape from. And so, as the bridge through my example to the theme of our episode, I can't help but feel that almost all of our time here in our life is like this. And the problem is that we remain trapped by our perceptions just as much as our perceptions trap us. Meaning, to have a fluid experience in life, you have to be willing to let go of the initial assignment of value you gave to something. And yes, that does mean that sometimes things that started out... And yes, that does mean that sometimes things that you started out as appreciating denigrate into garbage. But oftentimes, that fluidity also gives you the permission to allow the direction to flow in the opposite where, where something that initially started out as perceived pain and misery, something you felt trapped by, could instead be the very thing to liberate you. And keeping that fluidity is what I got out of this reflection. Even though the direction on this example flowed in a less desirable order, the main takeaway is that the prison is perceived, whether rightfully so or not. The pain, the annoyance, the downright dread is all an assignment of meaning to the thing in front of you that's unfolding. It's what you give meaning to as it's happening.
And the very same thing can be a source of immense joy and awe or disgust and apathy. Without that thing itself changing at all in any material fashion. That thing morphs, but the effect of that is not happening on a material plane. But it can still feel so different in what it inspires and what it encourages to emote. Every bit of it changes, not by a process, but by the processor, by how you view it. And that is where we can assert some leverage. That's where we can find some power. And I can't help but think of examples of when things went in the opposite way for me, Times when I was going through extreme pain, times when my faith was completely put to the test, some of those days I still find myself in often and try to reinstall the faith with a reminder of this lesson today. To remember that those times when perception caused more pain than necessary, because perception in itself lacks imagination, because It's so preoccupied with doing the job of digesting all that is currently being sensed to give back some tangible cue to your emotions on how to feel and what to prepare for. Because perception is so preoccupied doing that job of reacting to sensed data, we don't necessarily readily have it available at our beck and call to use as a proactive tool in which it can instead be used to redefine and assign value versus it doing the definition and assigning on its own based off its own programming. Because perception wants to use the programming, the shortcut. And sometimes instead of letting perception control our hand, we have to use our hand to control it. And yes, there are biological benefits to the autopilot and the shortcut of perception leading the way most of the time. But there's many times it's compromising direction in the name of convenience and circumstance. Our perceptions programming is not fit to govern without regular tune-ups to upgrade based off of where we are currently in our life and what our new goals are. And the frequency of those tune-ups depends on each individual and how in alignment they feel to what you're looking to get out of life. The more dissonance in what you think and what you do in life, the more you need to retake control from the autopilot of perception and get yourself out of the path that it's taking you down and direct it yourself. But if your life is in alignment, and you feel there's synergy between all the different parts of you, and you don't have disempowering drainage of energy and resources, then yeah, you can get away with lesser tune-ups to your perception and let it lead the way because you can trust the shortcuts. But a shortcut in the wrong direction is going to get you where you don't want to go too fast. And I'm sure you will find any time you want to level up past your zone of competence, you will find that you will have to rehaul the manner in which you take in the world and assign meaning. 
what got you here will not get you there. And that applies in so many ways, but it all begins with the rehauling of the processor from which everything is processed, from where we perceive. And I myself can't help but think of those times where I magnified the pain because my perception was not vast enough to encompass the world that awaited for me on the other side. And I'm sure you all can relate to looking back at times that seemed terrible when going through them, which turned out to be the puzzle piece of getting you to where you are from where you were, and you wouldn't be where you are today if it wasn't for that puzzle piece, without which you would be fundamentally different. You would have less success, less peace, less significance, less meaning in your life if it wasn't for those difficult times. And the main point of this entire episode is to remind myself and remind my faith. And maybe to be a little unreasonable in that, that it shouldn't take until years later for the appreciation of that to be perceived. That there should be some way to give access to your perception, to see past the prison and pain of your current terrible circumstance and to see past it all into the appreciation you are bound to have on the other end. I can't help but think that there is a way to give access to that without having to wait the years. And maybe that can help the pain felt and perceived now and make it just a little bit more bearable or to at least not take it as seriously. Because it all shifts tomorrow anyway. Will any of it matter in 10 years? Will it pierce the same? Very little of it will. And that's what I try to remind myself. All of it hides behind how I choose to see. That's what I was thinking about today. I love you, family. Talk to you soon.